0: I'm glad you chose to uh, log in with us and and be there. Teens, thanks for helping your your parents log in and get to the right place this morning so that they can be at church alongside of you. Uh, If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 23, we're going to get into there in just a moment. But we're continuing this series, and we've been walking through it for now four weeks. And the series is called, What Priorities Led Jesus' Decisions? So here's what we're asking. We're asking the questions of Take away the birth, take away Jesus' death and resurrection, prominent themes in the Bible. What is all that other stuff in between where Jesus goes and he teaches and he, he preaches and he heals? And what is he doing and why does he do that stuff? So what informs his decisions that he's making? We talked about how Jesus sought the Father. He sought God and his decisions. He embraced the outcast. Last week we talked about how he restored the broken. And this week I, I want to talk to you about one that actually shows us kind of a, a little bit more of a combative Jesus. This, this moment or these moments where Jesus actually kind of raised his frustration a little bit and he actually, we might use the term sometimes he lashed out or he gave some people what he thought they had coming. And so I, I want this morning to introduce you to this, this topic that Jesus confronted hypocrisy. He confronted hypocrisy. Now, the word uh, hypocrisy actually comes from the word hypocrite. You might know it. It's one that people use quite often. But this word hypocrite, actually, it's a long, old term. And originally, it meant an actor or a stage player. Or, or like in Greek theater, they would wear over their face on a stick these large masks. And they would act out the character. And so we get the term hypocrite from such actor. Now, it took a long time, but this word actually became more figurative, like this figurative mask. And over the course of about 500 years, it came to be more of a general term that people use and then became a little bit even more of a derogatory term to describe somebody as a hypocrite. And that meaning has actually lasted now for about 2,000 years And so we actually find that Jesus uses the term hypocrite, and Jesus confronts hypocrisy in his day. Now, this is what Jesus is actually doing. Uh, Jesus is speaking to people and saying, look, you are not what you portray. You are a hypocrite in those terms. Hypocrisy, if you look it up in your your dictionary, basically means this, the practice of claiming To have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. That's not how they actually live their life, though they might be preaching and teaching a certain way. And so when Jesus confronts hypocrisy, what we find is Jesus confronts people who claim to be a mouthpiece for God. But they were not about God's priorities. Or we also find that Jesus actually confronts these people who claim to be more loved because of their piety in their behavior. And Jesus actually confronts that as hypocritical, that type of attitude. Now, we actually find that Jesus confronts a lot of people. He confronts the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious leaders. We find in Matthew chapter 23 and Matthew 19 and in Luke chapter 19, as well, But we also find these times where Jesus actually confronts his own disciples and he actually calls his own disciples out for their behavior and how their behavior is not about God's priorities. Matthew chapter 16, Luke chapter 22 would be some of those examples. So the question this morning is why did Jesus confront these people? And who exactly were the people or what were they doing would be more the correct question when Jesus came and he confronted. I would like to tell you this. Jesus confronted people who weren't about the priorities of God. However, today we actually find ourselves in a place sometimes where we need the confrontation of Jesus as well. Now, who is it exactly? Let's take a look uh, at this. If you follow along in notes that I emailed you earlier, or if you didn't have them, they'll be on the screen right here for you to walk through. I would encourage you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 23. So if you have your Bible open, you can turn to Matthew 23. Or if you have uh, an app on your phone or your tablet, just get to Matthew chapter 23. And I'm going to share a couple other scriptures with you, but we're going to share our base in Matthew chapter 23 this morning. If you don't have the sermon notes that were emailed out, just feel free to use like your notes app on your phone or a piece of paper and follow along here. Jesus called out people who closed off the kingdom, first of all. They closed off the kingdom. Like these were actually people who would say and state, whether by their behavior or their words, the kingdom of God is not available to you. You might remember how emphatically Jesus declared that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the real presence of God is available to everyone. So Jesus called out people who would say, no, it's not available to everyone. It's as if these people were saying, you can't be a part of this. And Jesus, Jesus had nothing to do with that. In fact, in Matthew 23, we get this first of seven statements. We're just going to look at three this morning. He says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. So in this account, he's talking to these religious leaders. You hypocrites. There's the word. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter it, nor do you let those enter who are trying to. So Jesus is hitting them on a few fronts here. First of all, he's calling them a term that says, look, you are not what you portray. And why are you not that? Because you don't open up the kingdom of heaven to everyone. You don't allow people to seek God and to hear from God and to embrace and commune with God. Your view of everyone is quite narrow is what Jesus is saying here. He throws another little uh, subtle insult in as he says, Look, you're not even seeking God yourself, but you're preventing people who are trying to seek God. You're preventing them from engaging with God. These are strong words that Jesus is saying. There's a time uh, later on uh, where Jesus actually, a story is shared about him entering the temple courts, the courts, and Here's what it says in Matthew 21. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. Now, this might be a familiar passage to you. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Now, this is like this image of angry Jesus, frustrated Jesus, going in and acting on this. People who were selling in the courts. Then it says, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Let's just break this down for just a second and understand what's going on here. Like this is happening, this marketplace in the temple courts. Now, if we look at that, we understand that the people, uh, the Jewish men especially, had a place of worship that was very deep in the temple, very close to the Holy of Holies. That's where the men were allowed to, to come into worship. One ring further out was where the women were allowed to worship. And then beyond that, the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people, non-Jewish believers were allowed to come worship as well. Outside of this area where the men would gather is where all of this that we just read is taking place. All of this marketplace and selling and buying of things is happening at this point. The money changers is there because there's a certain type of coin that you had to bring into the temple and it wasn't the same coin that the Roman Empire was using so you would come to the courtyards and you would exchange your money probably for a very favorable rate for the money exchangers all of this was happening in the area that was designated for the women and for the Gentiles to worship what does that mean their space of worship was no longer available And so we can see when Jesus comes in that it's not just the buying and selling, but it is the whole concept of closing off worship to this group of people. It's as if he's saying again, your view of everyone is so narrow. And it leads to his frustration as he flips over tables and and does his most aggressive act that we see in Scripture. Jesus is saying, look, I will call out people who close off the kingdom to others. My question to you, how big is your concept of everyone? Like, how big is that? When you view God coming and his kingdom available to everyone, how big is your everyone? Here's the question to ask yourself this morning, uh, the practical question. Ask yourself, who can I share the kingdom with? Like, who in your life is there for you to share the kingdom of God with? To share the realness of who God is. To share your own testimony and your own transformed life with someone else. To make God available to someone that may, maybe has felt like the kingdom is not available to them. Jesus calls out those who close off the kingdom. And if we close off the kingdom, we should be called out as well. Who can you share the kingdom with today? Here's the second thing. Jesus calls out those who made Christianity a burden. You understand what a burden is? Like, these people actually made Christianity. They made coming to God and being close to God, they made it a burden. They made knowing God not something that brought this, this strength to their life and glory to their life. They actually made it something that was a noose around their neck, as the scripture calls it. Take a look at what Matthew 23, 15, and 16 says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the same group he's talking to, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. Pause right there. Let's not lose sight of it. They're actually out there spreading God to other people. They're out there trying to convert people and speak to people and have them repent and turn of their ways. So there's some goodness in there. And when you have succeeded, when you find that convert, when you have somebody who's finally ready to say, yes, I want to follow God, or I want to turn from my ways and get back to God, then Jesus says this, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Wow, those are powerful words. I mean, Jesus is coming really strong. Twice as much a child of hell as you are. Jesus is basically telling these people, listen, if you're going to make Christianity a burden, burden, that's that's hell talk. Why would you bring somebody in to give them the life that God has to offer, the kingdom of heaven available to them, and then make that such a burden to their life that they really would want to have nothing to do with it, and they would find no life in it whatsoever. Jesus saying this is not what the kingdom of God has to offer. This is not what Jesus came to share and to offer himself. We actually find later on Jesus goes to the cross, and and, uh, he dies on the cross, and he raises from the dead, and then we find out later he ascends up into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes on his disciples, and they go out, And they start sharing uh, the good news. Uh, Their knee-jerk reaction is to go out and start sharing the good news of Jesus with Jewish people. That had been their whole life, their whole custom. That had been their ancestry. But now they were being challenged, specifically those followers of Peter and Paul, to go and share to non-Jewish people, to share with the Gentiles. Their view of everyone was much broader than some others. But an issue arose. You see, it had long since been that the mark of being a Jewish follower of God was that the males would be circumcised. Now, can you imagine trying to sell that to Gentile believers? Come, God, well, all that God has to offer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, one more thing. Uh, we need to talk about a little surgery that we need to do before you can really become a follower of God here. That's not going over too well, Right? So this actually became a huge issue of who would have to be circumcised and who would not, who would have to follow some of the Jewish laws and who would not. Peter and Paul are arguing that it's not necessary, that Christ came and that the following of those or the need for circumcision is not there. While other Jewish believers said no, they absolutely need to become Jewish first before they can become followers of Jesus. This became a debate in the early church. You find it in the book of Acts and also in the book of Galatians. So after this this council, this this getting together and debate and talking on all sides, it's called the Council of Jerusalem, a, a verdict actually came out. So James, the brother of Jesus, actually stood and made one of the most prominent and powerful statements that is made in the New Testament, He says this in Acts chapter 15 in regards to the circumcision issue. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Like Imagine this. This leader of the Jewish church in Jerusalem is saying we need to not make it a burden to those whose hearts are turning to God and wanting to follow Jesus Christ. And we're not going to make a burden. It is as if he's saying this. Listen, all that we've grown up on, the Old Testament law, that's done. And we can't put this on top of these Gentile believers now. They shared a couple things they would like them to do in a letter that they write out. But this powerful thing of, of James saying, don't make Christianity a burden. Don't make it a burden. Listen, I spent years in a church that dressed up real nice to come to church. Listen, nothing wrong with that at all. If you go to a church that, that dresses up or you come from that tradition, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. In fact, I find it quite refreshing at times when I go somewhere and people have really dressed up and, 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 find, and find some pride in that. But the problem would be is when we flip that to requirement, as if, Your connection with God could not be there unless you dress a certain way or talk a certain way or do things a certain way. That's making Christianity a burden. You see, Jesus is calling out these religious leaders who are making Christianity a burden. Can I just tell you today, I think people still love who Jesus Christ is. They love what Jesus Christ was about. When they read the Gospels and they see how he interacted with people, how he loved people and served people, that is so attractional. Yet there are times where we have missed it and made it such a burden to follow Jesus. Now, does this mean we don't have lifestyle changes? We don't have uh, addictions and things to let go of and let Christ transform us? Absolutely not. They're there, and Christ wants to change us and transform us. But we have to walk through who Jesus is and what he calls us to be as our main priority. Christianity should bring life to someone, not a burden, life. So ask yourself this morning, who can you disciple? Like, who could I disciple? Like, who is it out there that I could actually share the life of Christianity with? Who out there is feeling like, at least what they know right now, Christianity would just be some burden. They don't have any interest. Who is it that you could actually share who Jesus Christ is and what he has to offer to their life? This this amazing life and this transformation that he wants to put within them. Multiply yourself that way. Find someone you can build into and share the life of Jesus Christ. There's a third group that Jesus calls out. And like I said earlier, there's actually a couple more if you'd like to read Matthew 23. Jesus calls out, he calls out people who choose personal piety but don't bless anyone. Like people that have chosen to be very pious in how they behave and in what they do. But they don't find themselves actually out loving or blessing or serving anyone now you need to understand this for a second before we go too deep into this one there is nothing wrong with personal piety in fact we are called to the disciplines of the faith they enhance our faith they help our faith when we think about things like a little thing i like to think about in my family us growing up saying hey we're only going to listen to christian music no it's not because there's one verse that says only listen to k-love right it doesn't show up there in the greek or any other language But it was a rule in our house. Why? Because we wanted our kids to just take in this positive, encouraging, God-type music all the time in their life. So nothing wrong with those things. Piety is important. The disciplines of the faith are important. This drive to holiness is important. But what Jesus is calling out here is people who make this the top priority number one, but forget about other people. Forget about loving and blessing and serving. Listen to what he says in Matthew uh, uh, 23, 23 here. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the Pharisees and law, coming after these guys hard, this passage, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Now, what's going on there? He's just talking about the tithe. It's set up in the Old Testament all the way through. You'd bring 10%, of whatever your income might be, whether that's finances or supplies in this case, and you would bring it to the temple or to the local church is our practice today. He says, you've done this, but you've neglected the most important matters of the law. Now, can you imagine these Pharisees saying, excuse me, the most important? We are the keepers of the law, God. Uh, Jesus, Pharisees, were the keepers of the law. We're the ones when the Sadducees wanted to throw out the law and say it didn't matter anymore. We were the ones that revived it. We were the ones that protected it. When somebody said, hey, I'm not quite sure what the law means here. We were the ones that wrote commentary out that told them how they should behave when there was a question mark. And Jesus is saying here, look, you've neglected the most important matters of the law to the keepers of the law. Those are powerful words. And what did Jesus say they were? Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Like these words that like you understand to to bring justice to people that affects people, to bring mercy to people. Uh, Jesus is speaking about the personal disciplines of loving people and serving people and being a blessing to others you have neglected. And he has major issue with that you know one of the things i love is when we read what some of jesus's followers like peter and paul and john and james when they write later in the new testament and they have heard what jesus said and now they are writing and teaching the the towns or the people or the churches uh, and really us as well as we get to read them what did they understand jesus to say and put into practice Paul writes most of the rest of the New Testament after the Gospels. And on one passage that I shared with you last week, he shares this about his understanding of what Jesus just said. He says, for in Christ Jesus, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision that has any value. Now, he just, we just talked about that. That issue was settled. The circumcision or uncircumcised, that is not, that is not the mark of whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ anymore. That's gone. But then he says this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing, Paul, that counts is faith, your faith in Christ, like your faith in God, your willingness to say, I want to be a follower of God. I want to be a follower of Christ. Like I want to actually model my life after Christ. The only thing that matters about that faith is it being expressed through love. That's me looking at somebody and loving them. And my actions flow from that love. That's looking at them, and because I want to love them the way Christ loved me, I'm going to choose to serve them. I'm going to choose to bless them. I'm going to choose to fight on their side. I'm going to choose to do whatever I can for them. That's what Christ did for us. That's how Paul is speaking That's how our faith expresses itself. It is through love, service, blessing. These are powerful words, and that is what Jesus is calling out. See, yesterday, uh, we had five families who showed up, and we had to do it kind of differently here on our church workday. We had to have them spaced all around in different slots and time slots and that type of thing, and we had five families that showed up that, put out all the pine needles and did some cleanup and all that kind of stuff. That was a blessing. That's not something that, you know, your church staff could have just knocked out on our own, a blessing. Further yesterday, we had a couple needs arise, people that were more high risk with this virus pandemic and can't go out of their house. They've been told, you need to stay put. Well, grocery delivery has been cut off, so we had a couple of people who chose to go to the stores on behalf of those people and deliver stuff to their porch. That's serving and blessing others. And we had another team that went up to Madison, up to Lot 2540, and now we can't function quite the same as normal up there, but they prepared the meal and they went out and served 50 or so families, some there that, uh, that came up as kind of a drive-through and others that they delivered to their door. That's blessing others and serving others. Could you imagine if we lifted ourselves up and said, man, we are so great. We went to the online service and watched church this morning. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's such a blessing that we're able to do this still. But if we were able to to pride ourselves in that, but we had cut out everything I just talked about that happened yesterday or opportunities this coming week to bless people and serve people, That's what Jesus is speaking to here. Jesus is basically saying this, bless people always. Always bless people. However God has given you opportunity, however he's given you skill, however he's given you uh, just an ounce of time, use it to bless others. So here would be the question. Ask yourself, how can I be a blessing today? Like, don't just think down the road. Those opportunities will come as well. But how today could you be a blessing to someone? Like, is there somebody right now that you're like, hey, we're all kind of tied up in our homes, right? We're not used to a week's worth of cabin fever. Is there somebody you can call and just say, hey, how are you doing? I just wanted to check in. Is there anything you need? The simple act of reaching out like that is a blessing to people. Be intentional. Make a plan. Follow through with that plan. Three or four things that you can do. Always think blessing. Always. Here's a takeaway this morning. I want you to really think about this. Now, let me preface this takeaway before I get into it. Um, Jesus actually calls out his disciples. It's one of the passages I gave you earlier. When they were actually debating and arguing, some of the scripture says, on who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Will it be me or you or, you know, I'm going to sit right next to him. No, I'm going to sit right next to him, that kind of thing. They're arguing about this. And Jesus calls them out hard on it. So when I share this takeaway, understand uh, this takeaway has nothing to do with that. We have no interest in doing something Jesus called his disciples out for. But this is still a significant question to ask yourself. Ask yourself this, are you the real deal as a Christian? Like when you look at this, when you understand what Jesus was about, what Jesus taught, and as our series had said, what are the priorities that led to Jesus' decision? And then when we often say, I want to be just like Jesus, or Jesus is the priority, the number one in my life, ask yourself that question, well, who is Jesus? What did he do? We're learning some of those things. And then ask ourselves the question, am I doing those? Am I willing to do that as well? Am I willing to do what Jesus is calling people out on today? Am I willing to say, I learned the lesson, Jesus, of what you called people out, and I am going to go, and I'm going to open the kingdom up to everyone. I'm not going to make Christianity a burden, and I'm going to be a blessing to others. Are you the real deal in your Christian faith? I showed up at a a gym many years back now, and I was getting back into working out after about a 12-year hiatus, which doesn't set very well on your first day into the gym. And I met this guy, and there was only a couple of us in class that day, and I heard a little bit of his story. I heard a little bit of his interaction, and I heard just a snippet of his opinion of Christians. He had no idea who I was, that I was a pastor or anything. I went home that day, and I said, Hey, Lord, I don't know a lot about this guy. But this was my prayer, and it was my prayer every single day that I went to that gym. Lord, for this particular person, would you help me be the real deal in my faith? Would you help me? Would you challenge my heart? Would you call me out where I need to be called out? Would you push me? Would you transform me for the sake of this person to see somebody who wants to live out the real Jesus? I stumble and I blow it just as much as you probably do. But that's still my prayer. Every day, even though I've moved on, the Lord still puts people on my heart that I'd say, Lord, I'd so like to see them come to know you and understand you the way I have learned of you. Help me to be the real deal in my faith. Ask yourself, are you the real deal as a Christian? God wants to impact you. God wants to transform you. He'll do it. He wants you to get in his word and learn more about who Jesus is, And what he's called you to be and do. Get in there and dig. You got time on your hands right now, right? At home? So jump on in there a little bit more and learn about him. Let me pray for you. Father, this morning, I believe, at least for me, studying this and even sharing this. And as I'm sharing it, Lord, my own heart is convicted. My own heart is impacted. And there is this challenge welled up within my own heart to say, Tom, get out there and live out your faith in the way that Christ shared himself. Father, I so want, Lord, there's these people in my life that I so desire to make a connection with you. And I realize that there have been times where the church has kind of gone astray in how we have represented you, Christ. Father, would you just lead us to share your kingdom? Just like you share it with us, would we share it with others? Would we experience you the way you've called us to? Lord, I recognize there might be somebody listening this morning, Lord, that that they have kept you at arm's distance. They have not welcomed your presence into their life. And I pray this morning, as your presence is already pressing in all around us, that we would invite you into our space this morning. Father, equally, there's somebody that you've called us to go and to share, the real God. Lord, lead us to do that. Father, help us in any way. Would we determine, have we made Christianity a burden to somebody? Is there anything we have heaped on somebody, Lord, that would not even be biblical? We've put that on them as priority, and we've neglected some other areas that are a priority in Scripture. Lord, would you help us to share the real Jesus with them? And only that. And then, Father, I pray that you would just drive us to be a blessing. Lord, it would be really easy right now to say, look, I'm locked into my house. I'm, you know, I, I'm not supposed to go anywhere. It would be really easy, Lord, for us to buy into the idea that we can't be a blessing right now. But one day when we get out, one day when this virus has passed, Father, would we instead say, how can I be a blessing today, this day, to others? So, Father, lead us. Give us your strength In that, give us your conviction. And Lord, would you, just like you are willing to do with the Pharisees, would you be able to confront us if we need be? And would we receive it? Lord, this morning, transform our heart, we pray. In your son's name, amen.